One of uh, Reagan's favorite things to do is to come running up to me. You're my sweetheart, right? All right, you love when daddy takes you and then <laughs> mommy gets a little freaked out each time. Sheer joy and confidence that daddy's gonna catch her. All right, so I, I forgot to tell you, now we just need to do some eye drops, okay? Yeah, we need to put eye drops right here, okay? No? Okay, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Okay, you can go play, you can go play. <laughs> my daughter, my princess, my sweetheart, I get to throw her up in the air, and she has nothing but joy as daddy tosses her in the air. Her joy is linked to her confidence that daddy is going to catch her. If she didn't trust that I was going to, if she didn't have the confidence I was going to catch her, there's no joy when daddy throws her up in the air. So the same amount of joy linked to her confidence, she should be able to have that when daddy has to lay her down on the couch, she hates eye drops. When she, you know how kids get pink eye because kids are disgusting? Uh, so when she gets pink eye and, and I have to put her on the couch and I have to be the one to hold her down while Ava puts eye drops in her eye, rips my heart apart, but do I love her any less? Should she have any less confidence in me? She's not feeling joy in that moment, but she could be just as joyous in spirit, couldn't she? See, but in the moment, she doesn't know that. In the moment, she doesn't feel that. And she really can't know that. She really can't feel that until she's maybe 25 years old. For her, it's probably gonna be about 45 years old when she has her first kid. And, and now she's looking back on the way that I parented or mommy parented. And now she's understanding that, that daddy and mommy had to do things like that because they loved her. But in the moment, you don't feel that. But again, that joy and that confidence is, is there just as much when, when daddy's throwing her up in the air or when daddy's doing something for her good and for her best interest. This speaks to an issue that you and I both have, doesn't it? It speaks to an issue where we know something, but we don't always feel it. We know joy and confidence is ours, but there are times where life has a way of throwing things at us where we don't feel it. Life has a way of breaking down our confidence, breaking down our joy. If I were to drop my daughter, it would break down her joy, break down her confidence. Life has a way. We know we can have joy in Christ. We know we can be confident in Christ, but life has a way of breaking that down. Or we might go a different direction. We'll try to look within. We'll find joy within ourselves. We'll find confidence in ourselves. But personal confidence, rarely, if ever, never, leads to eternal confidence, eternal joy. Paul speaks about this. We're going to continue on in the book of Philippians, although we're going to have a, it's a new series called Rooted, and we'll get to the why towards the end. We're going to continue on in Philippians, though. Philippians chapter 3 says, he starts off by saying this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is of no trouble for me and safe for you. What Paul is saying for us is he's saying to rejoice in what? Rejoice in whom? Rejoice in the Lord. It's, it's said in a command. It's said in, in, in a fancy way of saying it, an imperative. 
Where do you and I typically rejoice in? See, if, if I would ask you, what, what gives you joy? Where, what do you rejoice in? Like you and I are going to say, well, my kids. We're going to say, well, my, my, my wife, my, my marriage, friendships. I find joy in my job. I find joy in my state. I find joy in my, my sports. Account. I find joy. We're going to say so, even as Christians, down the list would be Jesus Christ. It's not always going to be on the tip of my tongue. But he says to, to rejoice in a command in what? In the, in the Lord. See, for you and I, like, it's like we're commanded to have joy in Christ at, at all times. And, and when we think about all the curveballs that, that life can throw at us, a pandemic, we're not always going to feel it. And so we're going to look at Paul and what he's saying and say, to take joy in the Lord. Like, I don't feel that, but it's a command sometimes against what we feel. And even though the command might confuse us, guess what? If we truly understand who Jesus Christ is, truly understand what he's done for us, and the more we get to know Jesus, it's the easiest command probably in all of Scripture. Our big thought for this online experience is this. Our joy is found in our confidence. Our joy is found in our confidence. My joy is directly related to my confidence in Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is going to do in verses 12 uh, through, through 11, what the passage that we're looking at today, is he's going to develop where true joy is found. He's going to tell us the, the, what, where false joy is and then where true joy is, or true confidence is for that matter. So let's, let's look at false confidence at the start of this. He says, look out for the dogs. And he's not saying, you dog, you. <laughs> he's actually saying it to these people that, that these religious people, he's, he's actually taking a, a dig at them where they would take the Gentiles, which would be kind of, you have the Jews and the Gentiles. That's kind of the easiest way of looking at it. And the Jews hated the Gentiles and they would call them Gentile dogs. So now he's talking to the Jews and saying, you dogs. <laughs> uh, this is hard language. Because they would, they would look at the Gentiles as unclean and so call them dogs. And so by referring to religious leaders, he's talking from them in a religious sense that they might, must be unclean. He says, look out for these dogs. Look, at, look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who, who, who mutilate the flesh. He gives really strong language here, unquestionably strong language. He's talking, uh, 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 he's getting to the point where he's talking about uh, circumcision. For we are the circumcision. And, and circumcision, we're not going to go into great depths with this. You can Google it if you want. Really interesting Google search. Uh, if you're younger, ask your mommy and your daddy. But for religious purposes, these are people that would cut a portion of their body to align themselves from an identity standpoint as people of God. And so they put all of their weight into a mark on their body that would identify them with a promise, that would identify them and align them with God in a promise there. Who worship by the Spirit of God, glory in, in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
Paul goes to a place of, of talking about all that he's done. He's referring to himself, uh, how, you know what, you religious people, I was just like you and then some. The, Paul's describing the type of person that's hanging their hat on all their accomplishments. This is the type of person that if you were going to say, hey, are you going to spend eternity with God? Yeah? Why? How do you know? You know what they're going to do? They're going to point to their sacraments. <laughs> They're going to point to their baptism as an infant before they even had the cognitive ability to understand Jesus. They're going to point to their, their giving record. They're, they're going to point, point to their church attendance. They're going to point, well, I've been a relatively good person. They're going to go to all of their accomplishments to say, this has earned me my standing before God. Of course, he would never reject me or turn away from me. They're going to hang their hat on all sorts of accomplishments instead of his accomplishment on the cross and then beating death. This is a form of legalism. Legalism steals, uh, steals our joy because it's a temptation to derive our joy. It's a temptation to derive our confidence. It's a, it's a temptation to derive our acceptance before God on our own religious works. And so given the, conf given the context, this is all said in a very negative tone. All said with, with a negative mindset. We're not reading any of this and saying, oh yeah, that's how I should live my life. And so from the context, I see that I should not put my confidence in my rank. He mentions the tribe of Benjamin, how his stand, that, that Paul himself came from the tribe of Benjamin. All, all you really need to know here is that Israel was broken up into 12, 12 tribes. Some were a little bit more prestigious than others. Uh, and that you could look at your heritage. And he's saying, well, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. This is, this is the, 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 the tribe that would one day overtake Jerusalem. And for Jerusalem, this is, this is where the religious hub, this is where uh, King David would come from, who was a big deal in Israel. And Paul is saying, you don't, you don't put your confidence in, in, in your rank. You put your confidence in the greatest son of David, Jesus Christ. That's where we derive our confidence. He, he's saying, don't put your confidence in your tradition or your ritual. He's, like, traditions can be fine, but, but they're nothing to put your confidence in. Traditions that, that have any worth point us to the one. Point us to Jesus Christ. And so if you're going to put any weight into anything, you're going to put your weight into the one that is behind the traditions, where our traditions lead to, but you're not going to put it into the traditions themselves. You put them in the one that it leads to. He's talking about don't put your confidence in your zeal. It, People will say it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and you really, you really believe it. Think about that. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, passionate, and you really, really deep down believe it. That could be said of Hitler, couldn't it? Couldn't it? You can have passion, all the passion in the world, and sincerely think you are right. But people with passion and sincerity can be sincerely wrong, can't they? He's, you know, he's talking about, don't put your confidence in, in your obedience to the law. Paul was exemplary. He, held, he said, I was blameless. I, I was the poster child. I was the valedictorian of the Jewish religion. I held it all. But being a moral person doesn't make you a Christian. There are plenty of morally sound people that don't claim the name of Jesus. That, that, that's not where to put your confidence. The person that should have confidence is the one 
that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A moral person is not by default a Christian. Because a moral person is, is trying to earn their way to God. A moral person is, is trying to say, like, I, legalism, I've done all of this, and now, God, I should get to go to heaven. Isn't that the opposite of grace? We mentioned grace last week, didn't we? We said grace, unmerited, unearned, given favor. If I have to do, do, do to earn God's grace, that breaks the definition that is no longer grace because now I'm earning grace. You can't earn grace by definition. Let me, let me break it down this way. I went to the bank earlier, pulled out some money. This is a $100 bill. You want a $100 bill? Would you take this $100 bill? You would take it, right? Because this is a $100 bill. Crumpling it up. Would you still take this $100 bill? You'd still take it, right? Like, of course you would. Like, it's still, it's still a $100 bill. Like, any, any takers on taking the $100 bill? I just crumpled it up. You'd still take it, right? In fact, I could, I could stomp on it. Are you still going to take it? Yeah, because our government has said this $100 bill is worth $100. Short of setting it on fire, ripping it up, there's, there's really nothing I can do to it that's going to change its worth. You'd still welcome it. You'd still take it, right? Because its worth can't be changed. It's set. The opposite. Here's the other $100 bill. I haven't, crimp, crimp, I haven't done anything to it. It's nice and crisp. 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 I, I, could, you know, I could keep it in the envelope. I could make sure that it's, it stays nice and crisp. You know what? I'll give you this $100 bill, but you have to give me $110. Doesn't make sense, right? No, no, no. I, I've kept it nice and clean. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful $100 bill. It's safe. It's, it's, in the, it's in the envelope. I've kept this. This is a perfect $100 bill. I'll give it to you for $110. No one's doing that. Grace says your worth is determined. You can dress it up all you want, but you're not worth more than the determined amount. Grace says that you can try to crap all over your worth, but you're still worth what has already been said you are worth. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you rose from the grave to give you life. That is grace. Your worth is not priceless. Your worth is the Son of God, ergo priceless. So you can dress it up all you want. Your worth, Jesus Christ. You can, you can stumble, you can fall. And your worth, Jesus Christ. See, that's grace. That's, that's, what, that's why Paul is, is saying this in, in, the negative, in the negative sense. You, you, can, you, can, you can look at your righteousness. You can look at all your good works. You can look at your fame. You can look at your riches. You can look at all your impressive achievements. It will not get you one step closer to Jesus. You can look at all the fame, all the accomplishments. And what will that do? Oftentimes, it will pull us away from Jesus Rarely ever closer to Jesus. Why? Because we look at all the achievements. We say, look at me. 
And we don't feel like we need Jesus any longer. When Jesus is saying, don't rest in your own accomplishments. Rest in my finished work. You, will, you have me. That's where you derive your confidence. All the prestige, all the accomplishments. What good is it if you don't have Jesus? Rest your confidence in Jesus. Because guess this, you, you might be the most accomplished person on earth. Until you're able to beat death. You ain't got nothing on Jesus. You can be the most accomplished person on earth. Until you can beat death, you ain't got nothing on Jesus. <laughs> so where are you going to put your confidence? So he goes to where true confidence can be found. So our, our joy is our confidence. We looked at false confidence. Now let's look at true confidence. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing uh, Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish, rubbish, uh, in, the or in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness on of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God that depends on faith, that I may know him. But, but Paul's the one talking here. And he doesn't fully know Christ. He knows him, but there's more to know. Man, if Paul has more to know, you and I surely have more to know. May we never get bored of knowing Christ. <laughs> and the power of his resurrection and may, share in, and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead if you ever meet a Christian who is making much of himself and little of Christ you should be, you should be suspect of that person because as a Christian we are to make much of Christ we are to rejoice in, who, in whom? Christ not ourselves. We're supposed to make much and rejoice in Christ. And so, so for us, Christ is where you and I derive worth. We look at him as worthy. We, we look at him as, as, as something that is, that is truly of worth. See, Paul learned through this experience that of worth is knowing Christ. Of worth is gaining Christ. Of worth is being found in Christ. He was on his way to Damascus, a town in Israel, and he's on his way. He's doing all his religious things. He's circumcised on the eighth day, blameless, all of those things. He gets knocked onto his butt, and he realized all of that, all of that old life is not worth it in comparison to Christ. All of those previous achievements are meaningless. Everything up until that point has been a waste of time, has been a waste of energy, has been a waste of, of talent that highly, as highly valued as he was in his previous life. He looks at it as rubbish in comparison to gaining Christ. Rubbish. In the Greek, that means dung. In the Greek, that means manure. In the Greek, it's a really strong word for, it's all a bunch of, it's a pile of crap. In the Greek, it's a very strong word. And, and, and he's saying he's going to rejoice that Christ showed me that, that showed me that that previous life was a pile of crap 
in comparison to knowing Christ, that it's all rubbish, that old life, that dead life is rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. It's meaningless in comparison to Christ. Paul is hashtag making gains. He's gained Christ. This is this is this 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 concept of you and I in our old life, that dead life. We have a bank account that is in the red. Our bank account, let's liken it to the national debt right now. Trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. Even Jeff Bezos couldn't dig himself out of a national debt. He can't do it. He can't solve our national debt. He's not wealthy enough to do that. So it's you and I in our sin, having a bank account, that old rubbish lifestyle, having a bank account that we would look at and be like, man, that's like the national debt, trillions upon trillions of dollars. And then waking up one day and not just having a bank account that's at zero, that would, that would be, for us, that would be like mercy. Having a bank account that's at zero. But to wake up and, and not only not have a national debt, not only have a bank account at zero, but to wake up and have a bank account like Jeff Bezos' bank account, oh, that's grace. See, that's what it means to, to have something credited to us. That's what it means to have favor. That's what it means to gain Christ. To have this debt that you and I cannot pay and then simply be in faith, be given eternity, be given Christ. Why? To say that that all life is rubbish. To say, God, I am sorry. To say, God, I can't do this. God, I can't dig myself out of the grave. I can't dig myself out of the hole. You admit that. You come to Jesus Christ in faith and you gain eternity. You gain everything. When you look at the, the old life as rubbish, he credits us the righteousness of his son. So Christ is going to return and you can be found clinging to your version of righteousness, your version of protection, you, your, your perfection. You can, you can cling to, to all of your achievements or you can cling to Christ. Choose now. Choose now who you're going to cling to. And if you cling to Christ, you live with daily hope. His return is going to be awesome. We live with the hope of what is coming because what is coming is Christ and we'll be united with him. We're united with him in death. We're united with him in life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, which means the future is bright for us, which means that you and I can have joy, can have confidence even in suffering. Because even in suffering, my, my Jesus was a man of sorrows. I can have joy even to the point of death because of resurrection. I can look at joy. when I can have joy when I'm suffering. Why? From this perspective. I gain a perspective about Christ that I can never learn when life is perfect and hunky-dory. But through sorrow, I learn a whole lot about my Jesus as he was a man of sorrow. Many of you are, are growing so much in your faith right now. Why? Because life got hard. You're learning a lot about Jesus right now. Why? Because life got hard. Spurgeon said this, none of us can come to the highest maturity without enduring the summer heat of trials. We're learning a lot about Jesus through this pandemic. Why? 
Because we're understanding suffering, understanding what he went through, understanding how God walks with us through the hardest of times. We have a taste of glory now, but soon we will experience it at its fullest when Christ returns. Nothing, nothing, nothing truly compares to knowing Christ Jesus. See, in my house, there's, there's two things that you earn. In my house, there's two things that you earn. I give my kids uh, $10 every week, uh, and that's their, we call it commissions. We don't, we don't do allowances. We call it commissions uh, because they earn uh, their allowance. And so a lot of their punishments, we rarely ever give them $10 because they're losing a dollar here, $2 there. That's kind of the, the form of punishments. And uh, they earn that. They do chores. They, they do things. They, they earn that $10. That's why we call it commissions. And the second thing that you have to earn in my house is wins. You have to earn the wins. I don't let my kids win in a darn thing because they'll never enjoy beating me if I let them just win all the time. See, if I don't let them win, when it comes time when they actually beat me in a basketball game, they're going to enjoy the victory. So they, 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 don't, they, don't get to, they have to earn the win. They have to earn their commissions. You know what they don't have to earn? My love. They have that. There is nothing that they can do to earn more of my love. I, the second that I was holding them, in the sec no, the second I saw that little picture, no, the second it was like, yo, I'm Prego, I loved that kid. You can't add more love to it. So my kids can't earn my love. There's nothing that they can do over and over again to earn more of my love. They have my love. To have to earn my love wouldn't be very captivating, right? They wouldn't go to school and be like, yeah, I'm working, I don't know if my dad, I think he loves me. They have my love. My hope is that then they're captivated by my love. See, we value uh, a captivating environment. A captivating environment is one where we work with excellence, where we strive to give God our very best, but one where we strive to give God our very best to make the focus on Christ, not ourselves. So last week, we had over 7,000 views on the online experience. That's incredible. That's awesome. We, Graham slept three hours. He was up till two in the morning, woke up at five in the morning to make sure that this, all, this whole Easter thing went off well. It was Carly that thought of, Jason, why don't you walk to the bay? It was, it was her that did that whole rendition of, of, the, of the graves to gardens, of the creativity. There was so much that went into last weekend to be captivating. But guess what? Six people, six people said yes to a relationship with Jesus. All of Carly's efforts, all of Graham's efforts would be for naught if Christ wasn't the focus. All those efforts are for naught if we don't leave the experience captivated by the only one that matters, Jesus Christ. Graham didn't get famous last weekend. Carly didn't get famous last weekend. Jason didn't get famous last weekend, but all the effort in the world was put into that experience. Why? So that six people's eternity forever could change. What are you holding on to? What are you hoping that God is captivated by? <laughs> you could get the house, but lose Christ, and it's all rubbish. You could get the job and weaken your faith, and it's all rubbish. You could get that trophy girl who treats you like a participation award, 
rubbish. You could get the school of your choice when God is really calling you to the school of His choice. You get the school of your choice and it's not what God wants? Rubbish. Gain the whole world but neglect Christ. What Paul is saying, rubbish. True joy is found in, my, in the person of my confidence, Jesus Christ. Our joy is our confidence because our confidence is Jesus. So what should we be rooted in? What we should be rooted in is the person of Jesus Christ. You want to be rooted in anything. It's not your past accomplishments. It's, it's not, it's not your, your, all your religious efforts. What you want to be rooted in is the person of Jesus Christ. And when you and I, even in a pandemic, are rooted in Jesus, we can have joy. So glory in Jesus, not yourself. Celebrate his accomplishments, not your own. Why? Because it's all about Jesus so when Paul makes this command to rejoice, to have joy, you and I every single day as the Holy Spirit lives inside of us have a source of joy, have a source of confidence. And so when we lack confidence, when we lack joy, may we fall more and more in love with Jesus and find that confidence again. May we echo David's words after he fell, after he murdered a man, after he had an affair. God, restore to me what? The joy of my salvation. Bring me back to that place. Help me to fall in love with you all over again. If that is you, drink deep of Jesus and find that joy again. Because as we grow in our knowledge of Jesus, we will grow in confidence. We will grow in joy. Reagan, I know this of Reagan. I know when Reagan comes up to me and says, Daddy, I love Brody. But okay, but when she does it, you have to, you have to picture it. You have to picture my daddy, my daughter, my daddy, my, my daughter coming up to me, but, and she says, I love Brody, but she says it in a running stance. Daddy, I love Brody. And then she goes, and she sticks her tongue out at me. What I know in that moment is that she loves time with me and that she loves when Daddy chases her. Because Daddy chases her every time she says, Daddy, I love Brody. So I also know that if I ever meet Brody, I'm going to punch him in the nose. <laughs> Hope he's not watching. But I know from experience that my daughter loves me and loves time with me. Ava was saying the other day, on Monday, we were praying together. And she's like, what I love about the pandemic is that we've gotten more time with our kids. And then she connected it to this. I know my kids more and better than I ever have through the pandemic, why? Because I'm spending time with them. And so that's my challenge to you and I at the end of this experience. We're gonna call it the, the hashtag confident joy. Hashtag confident joy. Because here's what I want us to do. For the next five days, I want us to go on social media and list out 10 I know statements about God. I know he's forgiving. I know he's loving. I know he's good. I know he's in perfect control. I know, I know 10 things every single day for five days straight. So 50 things. By, by the end of five days, you will have listed 50 things that you know about God. So day one, I just rattle off like five or six. Day one is going to be easy. Day two is going to be easy. But then it's going to get hard. Then, then you're going to start running out of things you know about God. But God... You can never know everything about God. So there's an endless amount. It goes way beyond 50. 
So here's what I'm going to do. Tonight, uh, at the end of this experience, we're going to be, we're going to be emailing out our, our Bible reading plan. Every, every time we do a new series, we, read out, we send out a plan, a reading plan, uh, that has chapters for us to read. When I study the commentaries, I take note of all the other chapters that they, they reference. And so it just it, these are chapters of the Bible that go deeper for the sermon that week. And so I'm going to ask that you would read that Bible reading plan, that you would spend time with Jesus so that on days 3, 4, and 5, you're going to God's word, you're spending time with him, and then you're, you're much more able to, to list off the things that you know about God. And as you grow in knowledge, what I see in this passage is that you grow in knowledge, hashtag confident joy, you'll grow in confidence, you'll have joy in your Jesus, because you know your Jesus. He is the source of our joy and our confidence. They are interchangeably linked. And that is how we build our lives. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you. And we hope you have a fantastic week.